American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about Father Ferdinand Farmer. He was a Jesuit missionary priest who came over from Germany before the Revolutionary War and made a huge impact on the church in this country. And not just the church in this country. Right. He also helped put the American colonies on the map from a scientific perspective. He was another extraordinary man of intellect and action who devoted his considerable abilities to saving souls. And he did it regardless of his own health and safety. We seem to say that a lot. The church in this country is so blessed by so many men and women who just gave and gave and gave of themselves until they had nothing left to give. And we grew up knowing about practically none of them. Which is part of why we do this podcast, to help American Catholics know our own rich history here in this country. Yep. It reminds me of something Cardinal James Gibbons, the longtime Cardinal Archbishop of Baltimore, said about Bishop Simon Brute. We told Bishop Brute's story in episode 86. Gibbons was in Vincennes, Indiana, where Brute had been bishop, the first bishop, about 60 years after Bishop Brute had died. And Cardinal Gibbons said, were these citizens of Vincennes? You need not go on pilgrimages to visit the tombs of saints. There is one reposing here in your midst, namely, the saintly founder of this diocese, Right Reverend Simon Brute. We've got people like that all over this country if we would just look. And we are going to look in August in Kentucky. Yeah, we go a little pilgrimage. Yeah, so you can join us for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, one problem for Father Farmer, to get back to his story, is that Philadelphia, where he lived and died, is especially rich with Catholic history. So he might not get the big crowds like, say, St. Catherine Drexel or St. John Newman. I'm sure he'd be fine with that, though. Right. So let's start by telling a little bit about his background. So Father Ferdinand Farmer was born on October 13th, 1720 in Swabia, which is a region in southwestern Germany. His birth name was Andrew Steinmeier. He excelled in school studying philosophy, and when that course was complete, he went on to study mathematics, physics, and astronomy. He was equally proficient in these fields of study, but after three years, he felt a call to religious life and the priesthood. So he applied to and was admitted to the Jesuit novitiate in September of 1743. He was 23 years old. It seems that while he was with the Jesuits, his first name changed from Andrew to Ferdinand. Not sure why. Steinmeier to Farmer came later. He was ordained around 1750, the exact date isn't recorded, and was selected to go out into the mission field with China being the likely destination. But before that was fulfilled, his superiors changed their mind and assigned him to the English province of the Jesuits. So rather than east to China, he headed west for the mission fields of the American colonies. Before getting into his time in the New World, we should help our listeners remember the conditions for Catholics in the 13 colonies. The colonies were still under British control at this time, and Catholicism was completely forbidden under British law. Most of the colonies held strictly to this, forbidding all public acts of worship or devotion, and forbidding Catholics to hold any positions of public authority or to serve in the military. In New York, it was even worse. 
being a Catholic priest was punishable by death. The only two colonies which bucked this standard were Maryland and Pennsylvania. Maryland didn't allow mass in public, but Maryland didn't bother with what people did on their private property. So, for instance, the Jesuits based at White Marsh were able to carry on with mass, and the people in the surrounding community could attend since it was on private property. In Pennsylvania, it was another story. The royal charter that William Penn received from King Charles II to establish the colony of Pennsylvania included absolute religious toleration. So there were big questions about whether the anti-Catholic laws of Parliament or the religiously tolerant royal charter superseded. Catholics acted as though the royal charter held sway, and plenty of Protestants acted as though Parliament held sway. So while Catholics did build churches and offer Mass publicly, the Protestants in government forbade Catholics holding public office or serving in the military or even owning firearms. And the law wasn't just a statement that Catholics couldn't hold office or serve. It required all those who sought public office to deny the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament and declare the Catholic Mass to be idolatrous. And that's pretty specific. They knew what they were doing to keep the Catholics out. Seriously. It was all resolved in the Revolution, but that gives a sense of the situation that Father Ferdinand Steinmeier was sailing into. But he seemed to welcome the challenge. So he arrived in the New World in 1752 and was assigned to the Pennsylvania farming community of Lancaster, about 70 miles due west of Philadelphia. A fellow German Jesuit had established a little parish in that town about a decade earlier. He dove into the work of a missionary serving his German and Irish flock of about 400 faithful for six years. His next assignment was at St. Joseph's in Philadelphia. St. Joseph's Parish is still standing today in Philadelphia. It is one of the oldest Catholic structures in the United States. It already has figured into a few of our episodes, and we'll talk about it again when we talk about trusteeism, Dagger John Hughes, and I'm sure other topics. Right across the street from St. Joseph is the much larger Church of St. Mary. This was the church where George Washington and other leaders of the Continental Congress and the Constitutional Convention would attend Mass on occasion. We talked about George Washington's friendliness toward Catholics and about whether he converted on his deathbed in episode 85. Some incredible bits of history happened at these two churches. And Father Ferdinand Farmer, he had adopted this new last name by this point, we'll find out why later, was going to play his own part in the great and storied history of St. Joseph and St. Mary. Father Farmer was assigned the circuit-riding part of the ministry of St. Joseph. So it was his job to travel the length and breadth of the territory that St. Joseph was responsible for. And that territory included all of southeastern Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, and even southern New York, though, as mentioned, if a priest were caught even trying to enter New York, he was subject to execution. We've talked about bishops like Dubourg, Fleget, and Brute having huge territories to cover, but those were dioceses. This was a parish and its mission, and there was no Amtrak Acela back then. Unless that's what he named his horse. Ha! <laughs> Probably not. No, but I'm sure his Wi-Fi was more reliable. You're ridiculous. I know. Anyhow, yes, he arrived at St. Joseph in 1758 when he was 38 years old, and this was where he was based for his remaining 28 years. And what a 28 years it was. Absolute nose-to-the-grindstone work. During his 28 years, he crisscrossed his mission territory countless times. He would be absent from St. Joseph's for weeks at a time as he went from one mission outpost to another, offering mass, hearing confessions, preaching and teaching, as well as baptizing and conducting weddings. 
In fact, records show that he baptized 3,317 people and married 568 couples during those 28 years. Just a remarkable number. Mind you, this is just what's recorded in the registries of St. Joseph and the Missions. This doesn't include anything he did in New York where public records would be evidence against him and so be grounds for his arrest and execution. So any baptisms in New York prior to the Revolution would have been off the books. Marriages would have required the couple to come to Philadelphia since those couldn't be off the books. And he definitely did go into New York, but he did so in disguise. Absolutely. He is credited with being basically the father of the faith in New York, particularly in Manhattan. He would enter New York disguised as a farmer, hence the last name. And while in New York, he would offer mass and other sacraments in the home of some willing and daring souls. He kept the Catholics organized and hopeful while they were still under British anti-Catholic laws. When the British Army occupied Philadelphia during the Revolutionary War, he was pressured to become chaplain to a group of Catholic volunteers who signed up to fight for the crown. Lord knows why. But he resisted this pressure and continued to minister to his flock in Philly. And it seemed that he got more bullish on American independence and that it would bring religious freedom while the Revolutionary War was still raging. Though independence wasn't won until 1783, Father Farmer actually recorded 14 baptisms during a visit to Fishkill, New York in 1781. And then in 1783, when the British pulled out of New York City, the Catholics of that city openly rejoiced together for what they knew would be a more tolerant regime. And thanks to Father Farmer's death-defying ministry among them, they were so well organized that just two years later, in October 1785, they laid the cornerstone on the first Catholic church to be constructed in New York. That was St. Peter on Barclays Street in Lower Manhattan. St. Peter is still there. It is blocks from the World Trade Center, and it has a rich and storied history all its own. Father Farmer is considered the founder of that historic church. St. Peter figured in two previous episodes. Way back in episode two, we talked about the seal of confession being recognized in American law. And then again in episode 31 with Father Peter Whalen, the angel of Andersonville. Right. Like we said, lots of American Catholic history has involved St. Peter. Then also in 1783, when the clergy of Philadelphia penned a joint letter of congratulations to General Washington for the victory, Father Farmer was the first to sign it. His signature was right at the top. But, as we said at the outset, his incredible ministry as a shepherd of souls wasn't all that Father Farmer did. He also was a brilliant intellect and was an internationally known mathematician and astronomer. He had been selected to be a member of the American Philosophical Society, and in 1779 he was named a founding trustee of the new University of the State of Pennsylvania, which is today's University of Pennsylvania. He also maintained correspondence with scientists back in his native Germany, and through this, he was involved in the 1761 international effort to observe the transit of Venus across the sun and to make very important calculations based on the observation. Yeah, now, I'm no astrophysicist, but near as I can tell from reading about this, mathematicians and astronomers would be able to record the relative size of Venus to the sun as it passed in front of the sun and record the amount of time it took for Venus to make the transit, and then, based on that data, they could determine things like the size of Venus and other planets, the distance from Earth to Venus, the distance from the Earth to the Sun, and Venus to the Sun, and other stuff like that. It's pretty high-level stuff, and Father Farmer, while taking a break from his missionary duties, because of course he had time to do that, was thick in the middle of the work being done by scientists in Europe, even somehow including Catherine the Great in Russia. 
The details we could find were scant, but it was all very important for the advance of our knowledge of the solar system. Father Farmer's body had suffered the strain of his many travels over his 28 years of tireless service. In 1786, illness and undoubtedly conditions like arthritis were setting in, and he was clearly nearing the end of his life. But he departed from St. Joseph in early April of 1786 for one final mission trip to New Jersey and New York. Upon his departure, Father Robert Molyneux, who was his Jesuit superior there in Philly, wrote to Father John Carroll in Maryland, If he lives to return, I wish some means would be devised to prevent him from going anymore. He is no more fit to take that journey than I am to fast 40 days and nights. Now, this was a bit of a joke at his own expense because Father Molyneux was very overweight. Father Farmer stayed out on his final mission trip for many weeks, well into May. On May 16th, he also wrote to Father Carroll, saying, Such is my weakness of late that the exercise and application both of body and mind must be short and interrupted. He returned to Philadelphia and recorded his final baptism, his 3,317th, on July 30th. He was not done with his ministry to souls, however. A young couple in New Jersey had been preparing for marriage with Father Farmer and were determined that he would marry them. His guidance and ministry were too dear to them to just go to another priest. When they heard that he was too ill to return to them, they made the two-day trek on foot to his bedside. He married them from his bed on August 2nd. It was his 568th and final wedding. Fifteen days later, August 17, 1876, Father Farmer died. His funeral the next day was at St. Mary's because it is the larger church. The funeral mass was attended by clergy from all denominations all over the city, plus members of the American Philosophical Society, the professors and board of trustees of the University of Pennsylvania, and many rank-and-file Philadelphians of all denominations. He had entered a city and colonial atmosphere bitterly divided by religious intolerance and through his tender ministrations, impressive personal abilities, and selfless, tireless effort, he had done so much to break down those walls and help the Catholic faith to gain respect and to spread. After the funeral, his body was brought back across the street to St. Joseph, where he was buried in his vestments. In 1838, when a new church for St. Joseph was built, the bodies of the past priest were exhumed to be reburied in the new church. When they inspected Father Farmer's remains, they found that while all the other vestments had rotted and his body was reduced just to bones, his stole was still intact. This singular grace is fitting because the stole is the vestment which most significantly indicates the priest's role as one who labors for God among the people and in his person brings the people before God. What a fitting tribute for the life and work of Father Ferdinand Farmer. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help us out by giving us a five-star rating and a good review. And we ask you to consider supporting the work of SQPN. Yes, now is a great time to become a StarQuest patron. Thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter, when you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com give, the first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor to support all of our shows, including American Catholic History, making your gift go even further. And we're more than halfway to our goal of $2,000 in new monthly pledges. Won't you help us close the gap? 
If you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now is the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. To learn more about Father Ferdinand Farmer, to find previous episodes, or to learn how to join us on a pilgrimage to an unforgettable American Catholic history site, please visit sqpn.com slash history. We also love feedback and hearing about great Catholic history sites and stories from all over. Thank you to everyone who has been emailing us recently. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash American Catholic History, Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. <laughs>